All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. Before we get started, we'd like to let you know that the Uncommon Gem podcast is an adult content show, meaning we may go into explicit detail or say some explicit words when talking about today's subjects. We also like to inform you that we're not paid or sponsored by any of the donations or charities in the episode. We simply just are giving it a shout out and hopefully spreading the word on some good causes. Thanks again for tuning in and let's get on with the show. What is up, everybody? We are back with episode 12, Uncommon Gem Podcast. You know what it is. I'm Kevin Esfes, the host of the pod, coming back at you, this time from Colorado. We're, we're mobile with the podcast. I'm sure most of y'all know, because you, you are probably my friends, or also just know me in general, but yeah, I, I used to live in Colorado a long time, so it's nice to be back. It's pretty beautiful out here, and you just gotta enjoy the weather while you can. It's a lot of crisp air, way different than New York. It's like smoking a pack of cigarettes in New York every day, but here it's like drinking water. I'm super excited to have our guest on today. He is a writer, a comedian, an improviser, and an actor. You can catch him on Pagliacci Comedy, which is at Pagliacci Comedy on Instagram. And every now and again, when improv comes back, hopefully you can check out the 96 Bulls. I've definitely been to a couple of their shows, and let me tell you, uh, more often than not, I'm crying laughing. So definitely check them out when they're back up on the stage. Folks, please welcome Eddie Dugru. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that great introduction. You know, I really do hope Improv does come back at some point so I could watch my team perform as well or something. (laughs) Improv is such a rare, like, you know, it's just that one and done feeling. I I mean, performing it, that's what it does for me. But just even seeing it, like, you're like, I will never see this again, for sure. (laughs) A lot of fun to the fact that it's like, oh, I I also don't have to do this again. So I'm not gonna get bored (laughs) with this thing. Like, it's like, all right, that's the thing. It's gone now. So Eddie, let's talk about you a bit. Let's let's let the world know about you. Where, where are you at in life? How you been? Oh man, I mean that's a question, ain't it? Over <laughs> the year, I've been good, man. I uh, I've been still in Brooklyn. Moved into a studio apartment a couple months ago. Been able to keep my job this whole time, which has been very fortunate. Been a weird. I work as a bartender in Crown Heights, and it's very. It's just been a lot of like every like new rule that comes out. I just have to kind of like consistently just be ready for it right. so it's been a lot it's been crazy a lot of a lot of on my toes stuff but honestly i'm in a pretty good spot i feel like yeah, a good place mentally physically emotionally so it's, I love I, it. yeah that's been how it's been yeah. that's the thing you need especially yeah 2020 was a hard year so i'm glad to hear some people are winning because honestly some people deserve the fucking wins you know we can't knock <laughs> it you know what's cool to me is that even seeing on your instagram you've still been up with the comedy thing you've still been actively pursuing it which i really appreciate because you know it's so hard without stages to perform on. So to see you take up with the sketch comedy team, Pagliacci Comedy, how, how has that been for you? It's honestly been a blast. I never really was a big sketch actor before this. I would maybe like pop in here and there. However, it's just been like a muscle flex. Like, I mean, I've been able to like work on a muscle that I never was able to during a time when, yeah, everything kind of like cut out. It kind of was one of those things where, yeah, let me try a new thing, I guess, and maybe... If it doesn't work out, who cares? This year doesn't count. But it's been very fortunate, very fortunate to have like the director that I have and the cast and, and the writers. Everybody's so on point and so motivated. And it's really, I mean, the Slack channel is very fun to also look at. And we get along really well. And we're now trying to do experimental 
things with our shows as well, trying to maybe make cohesive plot lines through our boogie shows nice. and uh, sort of push ourselves because it's one of those things I'm very fortunate that during this time period where everything kind of went to hell, that they will meet like these guys and be able to work with people that I've been around but not actually able to have been working with. It's been a real blessing, man. That's great. That's great. And I, I like that you said that, you know, y'all are trying some different things because honestly, that's what I like about watching your sketches is that each one is definitely wild to a different extent. I saw one where like the bees are like attacking all because oh. you keep putting over more lipstick and lotion. The one that you're in that had me dying was the hype magician just because that's very, uh, I love on the street stuff. So just seeing you yelling at people is very fun. <laughs> I really want to thank you for saying that because man, I, uh, it, it took a lot to be in the middle of the pandemic in Times Square during like February just being like, I did a magic trick and people were just like, we, we really do not know what to do here. Uh, and also while that was happening, there were like rallies taking place. So I would run around and then like, be like, I'm avoiding that. And I'm like, <laughs> keep, like <laughs> just have to keep doing my thing. It was weird trying to like fight people, like trying to like, get the attention of people who are like, free to bed. And all the other ones who are like, you're still going to hell. And I'm being like, I did a magic trick. It was, it was a lot of fun. It was a good Saturday, for sure. <laughs> I think that kind of adds, because there's definitely, like, you already have your own chaotic energy, but now there's, like, these different, very serious energies around, so it was kind of what you want for was, a sketch like that. <laughs> yeah, really, that energy was, it was, it was fantastically wild. Ah, oh, I have a good, yeah, I have a really good memory of that sketch. Thank you for bringing that one up. I want to talk to you about wrestling a bit, because I know you're really big into wrestling. I know you've gone oh. to many events. First and foremost, do you consider yourself a baby face or a heel? <laughs> oh man you know the thing is i mean i would like to think i'm a baby face i think like being a heel is a lot more fun though <laughs> I'm, a twe I'm a tweener i think like i'm a really like a tweener character in the sense that i'm just gonna it's like you know day-to-day -day type yeah. stuff you know but also it's just more fun to be those type of characters you know when you're able to like really kind of mess with them i would say i would be a baby face in the vein of cm punk so like something on that end like it's like hey i'm trying like fuck you and then everyone's like yeah and like all right like well, let's <laughs> our very first episode of the show was about pro wrestling so we, we got a lot of the terms and definitions down so Oh, cool. uh, it's, it's always been a fun theme to get into. I, I definitely learned a lot by studying that. Well, you know, one of my first experiences at the UCB was doing UCBW, uh, the wrestling show, during the middle of the cage match. I, I remember someone asking, like, why do comedians like wrestling so much? Like, well, comedians really do like, there's a lot of comedians that like wrestling. It's that same kind of feeling, though, of, like, there's kind of, like, no real structure to the promo. you got to go out there and just kind of commit to the bit, you know, that type of thing. Kind of feel the audience gauge. And, like, it's a lot of the similar techniques. And also, like... It, if a wrestler can, like, be a funny wrestler, like, not a silly wrestler, but if they can get people to laugh, then they're probably going to get over more than other, like, Stone Cold Steve Austin is, like, legitimately a very funny person. Oh, my God. And yeah. that was a thing that got people, like, he, he driving in on his Zamboni, like, that's hilarious. Like, <laughs> he, he, that ass is hilarious, you know? And it's, like, build. It's, like, there's, and then there's the punchline, which is hopefully WrestleMania, and then it starts all over again. So, yeah. But also, like, doing the UCBW, there's a lot of, like, freedom and, like, oh, I'm going to throw myself around. And the first ways I was able to get stage time at that place. That's awesome. Yeah, for those who've never seen Eddie do comedy on stage, it's very physical. Like, this man is always <laughs> running around. Maybe taking his shirt off, maybe throwing himself on the stage, who knows. But it's uh, definitely definitely some high-flying action. <laughs> I, uh, I definitely have many weird bruises uh, from, from some shows, which is kind of weird to be like, I hurt myself doing improv. Like, is that good or bad? I don't know. <laughs>
So really quick, before we could go in, Eddie, I don't know if you do remember this, but in the before four time, the pre-COVID time, we oh, actually had mm -hmm. an improv class together with Neil Casey, and that was like one of the craziest, like, it was only 30 oh, minutes, but I learned like my... everything I needed to learn about improv in that one 30-minute session. Oh my <laughs> god, you were in that Neil Casey class. I walked out of that being like, I'm the stupidest person in the entire world. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was like... I am doing all of it wrong. And I forgot about, yeah, we were, yeah, that was a, oh man, when was that? Was that like, it, it truly felt like All-Star Weekend. I kind of felt like I should have been there. I felt like I got backstage patches and they're like, you want to hop on stage? But <laughs> a lot of Lloyd team members, a lot of Harold team members were in there. And it was, I, I want to say maybe 2018, maybe? Maybe, yeah. That does sound about right. Yeah, that, that was, I remember walking into that and being like, Oh, I'm terrified of all these people. And then being like, wait, I also have been doing this forever. But it was like, yeah, one of those things, that same feeling, like, I think walking into a room with a guy like Neil, no matter what, always feels like that. Like, no matter who, you can be in a room full of, like, 101ers, and everyone, you'll be like, it's a backstage pass in a way, because that's just, like, just kind of got to the point, like, by the 20th for myself, it was like, it's an honor to be, but he was also like, he's Neil, okay, he's a chill dude, but... Right. It's just the feeling of knowing that you might get rocked in some way, shape, or form. But it's cool, man. It's, I like that you said that the backstage pass. I really, I felt that same kind of way. And I was like, <laughs> I've been doing this for like eight years. <laughs> yeah. Hey, but that's kind of what improv is. I mean, for me, it's always felt like the actual stage performance has been the least nerve wracking, but the ones in, in more intimate are the most nerve wracking. So, oh, yeah. I think that was the biggest yeah, takeaway from that exact class. I can make it fool myself in front of like 200 something people for some, but I'm like, well, I can't see any of you because <laughs> lights or whatever, but it's like Neil Casey, like looking right at you and you're like, isn't it a real laugh or are you like faking it? <laughs> and also like, oh, these people are going to see a real weird side of me because I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's always a little weird having that intimate moment, uh, those practice spaces, those classes where you don't know anybody who's going to show up. It's crazy. So folks, as always, we take some time to call out a donation, charity, or an act of service that y'all can get involved in. Today, Eddie was so gracious enough to bring one onto the show. Eddie, you mind telling us about what we're going to be talking about? Yeah, so we're going to talk about Glitz. Glitz is an organization that looks to protect trans sex workers by, one, working to destigmatize sex work in general, two, provide like healthcare resources to the disenfranchised, and three, uh, provide stable housing to said people. But yeah, it's just, it's just trying to keep people safe. Yeah, I think I think what may not be known so much to like more of the white because like us living in New York, we do know it's a very big problem that these trans people are just being assaulted on the street, are just being arrested mm -hmm. just because they're literally walking on the street. And yes, mm -hmm. sure, certain laws may have gotten passed to object that now, but it's still happening. We still got these people being assaulted for quite literally no fucking reason other than the fact that mm -hmm. they are trans. Um, this yeah. organization in particular is definitely trying to make sure that these people are safe, that they do get proper health care housing, making sure that they get the right clothes, and making sure that they can go back outside into the world safely. One thing that I think is super important going to the protests that I have in the past year was seeing yeah. how much of the trans community was there present. So seeing those voices, seeing those faces really like put a stern stamp on it that this these people do need the help because every time I went to one of those protests, they would say like, we lost another sister. We lost another member of our community and that hurts. Yeah, and they would be at the front line of a lot of these protests willing to just put their bodies out there knowing the danger that happens you know if they're gonna fight that hard for us we gotta do the same we have to return it tenfold and we don't know how much we are not really understanding and so i think even just on like trying to even think on 
those moments and just being like how much the courage takes to do that. I was going to a lot of those protests during the summer and I was just always, they would do also be so joyful. Like it was just my coworkers and bars who would uh, just feel like we're gonna give our tips to Glyphs today. You know, because honestly we would see the protests go by, we'd see them on the streets fighting. And this is a dark time and we're people who are like in bars. Let's just give that money to people who really need it. At first, it was like, yeah, we all just kind of decided that was just the, the charity we we're going to donate to. We we're still doing it. Like every month, like, we'll just do it today. We'll, we'll throw it out there. But that's how I just kind of got into understanding more about that charity and uh, that organization through, yeah, just my friends and the bar scene. That's what it takes, folks. You know, get your coworkers involved. Get your people involved. Get some money together. You literally all chip in $5, $6, you know, keep incrementing it. It'll benefit so many other people. I can't even begin to tell you how much literally $10 can do for one person. It's actually kind of Ooh. insane. <laughs> I just remember one time I found $10 on the ground and was like, oh my God, black favor. And then it turned out to be fake. And I was so mad. So $10 is really, yeah. It, was really it an usher buck? <laughs> oh, oh, that was, he's got his face on his own money. That's ridiculous. What a, what a guy. Folks, so like Eddie was saying, this is definitely a cause you want to look for. Trans people do need help. A lot of them do go missing, a lot of them do get assaulted, a lot of them do get attacked, and we just want to make sure they're protected. So this is exactly what you need to look for. You can find out how to donate to Glitz at glitzinc.org. So that's G-L-I-T-S-I-N-C.org. And they also have the same Instagram account, same name, same everything. So just check out Glitz on mm -hmm. Instagram, check them out on Twitter. And yeah, you know, li listen to these people's stories. I think it's important to see just how much this program is helping these people in, in, to be a community. Well, today I'm very excited to talk about Eddie's Uncommon Gem. Eddie, do you mind telling us what your Uncommon Gem is? Yes, yeah, so my Uncommon Gem is a TV show that aired on TNT known as Leverage. It's a show that I've been like, you ever watch Leverage? And people are like, what? <laughs> that was sentence you said? Like, it's really much a show that I was at 16, should not have been watching. Not that it's a inappropriate show for a 16-year-old. It was just kind of like... A little lame you know in a sense like it <laughs> but it was fun it's, it's definitely something that an early gen x late boomer would probably be caught watching more than like myself however i really really fucking enjoyed it and so i'm i'm just i'm always happy to talk about it so let's spread the gospel of leverage yeah so the show came out way back in 2008 it had five seasons it went five seasons 2012 and 77 episodes that's pretty it's a pretty incredible run and I like that you mentioned that some people were like, huh? Because I also was like, wait, what is this show? <laughs> Sometimes bad guys make the best good guys. We provide leverage. A daring new series this December only on TNT. Watching and reading about it, I could see the appeal of the show. It has everything you want kind of out of a heist movie, but just in long form. That's the thing is every episode is basically a heist film in 30 minutes. They hit all the beats so perfectly. And it's just all the tropes perfectly, too, to the point where you're just kind of like, all right, it's, it's formulaic, but it's fun. <laughs> and there's always, like, an overreaching arc where like, I think the third season, they're trying to, like, bring down this prince of, like, a nation. And so in order to do that, they got to hit little jobs in the side in Boston for some strange reason. But, hey, you know, it made 77 episodes. <laughs> so, Eddie, tell us what, what the appeal of this show is. Because, like you said, it, it came out in that era of, not that it was a lame television show, but that, you know, like, it's not shows that your people of your age would probably be watching. Yeah, it was uh, definitely of that time of, what, the closure? Things like that. Like, it's like when it was, like, Isolian Isles. It was within its formulaic and its structure. But what I liked about it was it was taking a very formulaic structure and turning it on with the heist genre. 
And so you would get plot, the setup of what they're going to do, how they do it. And then by the time you get to the end, they, the bad guy has the ability or knows that they're being conned and they're about to get them. And it turns out the whole thing was a, was a trap to begin with. Like it circles right back down to, but we had the thing the whole time. And it was 77 episodes of it. And it was fun. Also, every character had their own. They had a mastermind character. Send it for me. Payback. And we goes right a lot of money. What's in it for me? A lot of money. And if it goes right, payback. You had a, a grifter who is, I think, my favorite character on the show. Hey, somebody help! Oh, God, blimey, Governor, that there's loaded with sea roaches. That's British for shrimp. We have a different word for a lot of things. It's a bit stupid, isn't it? You have a hacker. The hacker is also what brings me to <laughs> why I was thinking of it, because it's played by Aldous Hodge. Analyze it. I monitor comms. I scan for all police frequencies. I, you had no idea I'd do all this, did you? D does nobody respect the van? But the van is important. What, what, what is that? It's lemon zest tea. You just did One Night in Miami. He was in Straight Outta Compton. Yeah, fantastic actor. I love him. Mm -hmm. And I remember watching him on the TV show and then just like seeing him have that come up. So. That's what it was when I was thinking of something to do. I was like, well, I love all the Hodge. I was like, what's wrong with that? So <laughs> then you have the burglar character. A man with one watch knows the time. A man with two is never sure. I have fortune cookies for breakfast. And then you have the muscle character. I get it. These guys work on hourly. You work on commission, huh? Hang on. I'm going to tell you something. You wouldn't have been so selfish, you could have had another pro here just like yourself, and I'd be fighting two guys instead of just you. This may have turned out differently for you. I'm just saying. And all these characters at some point or another in the show get the opportunity to shine. Even the muscle character who, for some reason, just beats up people. Um, doesn't have to. He just does. He always ends up in a situation where he's just got a lot of guns around him. I, I watched a clip where he literally, it's like a flashback, and he's literally drinking a cup of coffee, and 17 people point guns at him, and then yeah. they cut to the outside. Gunshots, 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 and they come back inside, and everyone but him is dead. <laughs> yeah, and he's still drinking a cup of coffee. Right? <laughs> also, the stunts that that guy was able to pull off, I mean, just that character got, we were just high quality, like, up to that. I remember <laughs> one time he's like, oh, let's do this, and then he just slides, like, one of those, like, power slides, out of a warehouse, like, from one side to the other. It was always a warehouse, too. From one side of the warehouse to the other, and all these other, like, guys are shooting at him, and but he's, like, sliding underneath, and all these other guys just end up, like, shooting each other. <laughs> and you're just like, it's like a three minute long slow motion scene. And you're just like, that's fine. This is great because this has 77 episodes to work. <laughs> I'm going to really harp on that 77 episodes. But no, it was really also just fun because like the grifter character, Sophie, yeah. I keep wanting to say Gina, but I think that's the name of the actress. Mm -hmm. So Sophie, she is a great grifter. Her whole thing is that she can con anybody to death. She can walk into a museum, get, you know, get the pocket watch out of a guy's back pocket great actress she could be anybody in the entire world except she wants to be like a legitimate theater actress <laughs> and when she goes on stage she can't actually perform she can't actually act she can't do it she's a terrible actress remorse that no that no she's very awful is she injured in the head seriously man this is the worst actress i've ever seen this is not her stage but then she goes and she's able to grift the hell out of people. And then there's an episode where she's grifting as an actress. Like her whole <laughs> bit is she has to pretend to be an actress. And so then when she goes on stage, she's really good at acting because she's playing the pe the person that she is, is good at acting. So it's like one of those like bits where you're like, 
oh, of course she's good at acting because the character she's trying to be is an actually good actress. And then suddenly she drops the character. She cannot act again. Like, she can't do it. <laughs> she can't remember any of the lines that she did. And you just have little things like that. A lot of a lot of character building relationships that would also take place because it was so simple in this formula. That's why so I, I, I also, like that you mentioned that like um every character gets their shine because it seems like there is like no one main character. It really does seem like everyone is on screen, if not at all times, they have their own solo moments. Like they really make sure to get everyone love. Yeah, I believe it as well. I live my my philosophies on just like TV shows. They're like I like when TV shows all the characters like each other. Like when they like right. each other, it works. They never really get to a point of the drama. I mean, they're all like criminal masterminds, you know, there could be murder if they get if they want to get mad at each other, but they never get to a point where they're like so mad at each other that they're like, I'm not going to work with you anymore. They get mad at the person, but then at the end, it turns out that the thing that was making everybody mad was actually the correct thing in a way, because it was like a risk <laughs> that the person was taking, you know, but it's like, oh man, we should have trusted you. It's like, yeah, well, you know, I should have trusted that you guys would have known. It's like, you know, we're still friends, right? But then also another thing is a character would like discover something about themselves and then couple episodes later it would come up in another heist mm. or like the season finale like that person's little discovery or a little trick that they discovered comes up big at the end so like you get those little detailed moments of that. like oh yeah he learned hypnosis and then you're like oh shit that came <laughs> out at the end of the episode he used hypnosis on his own person like what it's like it i love tv shows that make sure like breaking bad did that really well of leaving this like cookie crumb trail that's probably not going to be significant at all. And then later on at the very end of the show, like, holy crap. But I do love that shows take that time, especially with the character development. Like you're saying, they suck at this now, maybe, but then later on it's going to like pay off. I always love that kind of moment in entertainment. Me too. I, I think that's what I, I kind of really, I really do kind of look for those moments. I hope this character is able to prove me wrong here. Another really fun thing about it, I mean, there's all spoilers, but this show is almost 10 years old now. So sorry, people. They're <laughs> like, too late, also, you know? <laughs> Every character had an opposite character, one that would do it for evil. So Hardman, the hacker, he had an evil counterpart hacker who was played by Will Wheaton. You would have like an evil hacker. You had the mastermind's like evil version was the Interpol detective who was always trying to catch him. So like you had like these, as they're making their way toward being more righteousness, their counterparts are suddenly kind of making their way toward more of the evil sides. And then at some point, they all kind of work together against the team. So, like, you have these moments where one of the bad guys comes out and it's like suddenly everyone's being hacked and it's like, hey, it's me. And then suddenly the other grifter outgrifts the other one and they just get their asses kicked, like, left and right by their own techniques. And then they're like, okay, what we have to do is we have to attack not our own, but another. So then the hacker goes after the burglar one, you know, and so on and so forth. Because they're like, we know our own weaknesses just because we know our own strengths. So we know how to like kick each other's asses. So they work together in that way to then beat their evil counterparts, you know? And it's like, oh, wow, that's a really great build off on this preseason arc. I think that's an important thing for like entertainment to do is like really make sure that a character that's introduced is more than just this three dialogue person that you'll never see again. Like really make them part yeah, of the story, yeah. really weave it into the story because that could be a really good payoff. You know, that also like builds up an emotional payoff too. I'm sure like, like you said, like the characters are friends with some of them, but then they turn out to turn on them. So that that's always a good payoff. <laughs> it was always kind of like the monster of the week storylines where it would just be like a grift that would take place. Mm -hmm. So they take on the job, you know? So it's kind of like, oh, we're, we're doing the job but then we won't come back to the storyline again. But there would be a character that would come uh, there's one character that comes up who turns out to be like the big bad and he was like the victim in the second episode wow. and you're just like or like something like that i forget exactly what that plot detail was and I, but i remember being like 
wait, that guy, he was in an episode that like no one watched, <laughs> you know, I mean, no one was watching the show. But what I mean is it was like one of those things like, wow, that guy actually came back. That's weird. All right, cool. Right. I roll with it. You know, you always had a kind of feeling because it was so formulaic that there would always be like kind of a big reveal that somebody that they screwed over in the past is a bigger reveal. And so you were able to open yourself up to surprises because you were just so in tune with the fact that like you knew how the show was going to go anyway. It, it would just have like those characters that would just pop up after a while and they would pop up and it would just be this, oh, you really paid so much attention to that character during a time when I had I pay attention to so much other things that had to take place because it's, you know, I mean, it's a heist. I mean, it was just such a really fun and detailed show in that sense. It didn't have any reason to put that much detail into what it was doing. And I think yeah. I appreciated that as, as when I was 17. I think what, what's cool about it is, like you said, like, like it shouldn't have that reason. But I think that's just one of the cases where you got the right set of actors, the right set of writers, and like the right like people with the mindset. Because, yes, the show is like obviously going for the heist trope, but... I don't want to like compare it to like too many heist movies, but it really does have like that kind of fun Ocean's Eleven kind of feel. Every episode is really wacky. Like every episode could be really wacky, or every episode can be kind of Mission Impossible. Every episode can kind mm-hmm. of be like super serious. But I, I like that they they play with that heist trope so well with these characters. Just because you know we've all seen heist. We we all know the gimmicks. We all know how it goes. And I think to to have five seasons of this where you can just like, intertwine different kind of heist scenarios, I think that's incredible to do and make it fun every time funny now especially how much we really can just pile on the heist genre now i mean like that rick and morty episode where they just that's the heist episode they do a whole oh, heist, yeah. uh, episode <laughs> heist and it's like all right yeah i don't i don't want to watch heist stuff anymore <laughs> but ocean's 11 is one of my favorite series a very fun series brad pitt's always eating in every scene yeah. <laughs> but it really yeah leverage came out really right at that cusp of it's falling out of favor but also there's still so much more to do with it. And it was just interesting. I think that's why it was like a little weird to watch it at the time. Well, I mean, this genre is kind of a little played out at this point, but also like there's something about it that I still really like. I found a nice balance. I think it just was the right time for it to be out. A lot of the characters have very, very deep problems. Like for example, uh, Nate, like very troubled out when his son died. Parker, I believe she's a foster child and has suffered from child abuse. I think to have these kind of broken characters be so set into who they are is also like a really good thing the show does. It's very easy for a show to kind of be like, oh, let's keep playing with that abuse thing rather than try to strengthen the character with it, which I think this mm-hmm. show does. I think it strengthens all their characters with their problems. I like that you use Nate and Parker specifically on that because Parker is a foster child and Nate had just lost his kid. So what happens is throughout the show, he actually like really bonds with her on that. She didn't really have, uh, he kind of is like, so she like will pull the bottles away from him. Like she will burglarize his alcohol closets and they'll like open it up and then they'll just be like drill holes and like them. And he'd be like, Parker, where's my gin? And he's, he's in a duck, dude. You can't find it right now. Like she'd be in an air <laughs> duct. It was a family. That's the other thing. But even though he's a matchmaker, he's a dad figure. Sophie was the mom and then the others were the, the kids and then Elliot, the muscle is supposed to be like the uncle so they really fall into that kind of line where it's familiar because they have their deep problems but their deep problems brought them together and they look out for each other because they recognize within themselves that they have had empathy for their friend i'm really curious i bet you're going to be really hyped but do you know that the show is supposed to be coming back (laughs) i did find that out i'm curious i'm curious i am Uh going to watch it (laughs) it's not that i want (laughs) it 
I just wonder, I don't know how I feel about things being rebooted weirdly like that. You know what I mean? Like I just, uh, I thought the show ended on a pretty good note. It, it definitely was one of those shows that was always on the verge of being canceled. So I think they ended it on a note that we knew this was the last one, but it was tied up really well. But then they made the reboot. I'm like, well, PNT, I feel like it's grasping for straws. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I'm like, oh, you're trying to bring back uh, leverage. I watched that. I loved it. Why are you bringing back leverage? <laughs> you know, episodes in it. <laughs> oh, man. I think that kind of speaks to the power. Like, this show often reminds me of community in the sense of, like, you know, it was very for the fans. Like, they, they very much appealed their fans so much and, like, really honor their fans. But as you said, like, it, it was always on the cusp of being canceled. So... I mean, I don't know if you know, but like it has three books. It has a board game. Like it, like, it really what? wants to make sure their fans feel the love. So no, I, think... I, I, I feel like I knew about the books, but a board game? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, really? I'm pretty sure if it's Tell not a board game, board it's game. a video game. Let me, let me double check here. I wouldn't be surprised because it is one of those shows that there would be something. You made like a leverage keychain? All right. <laughs> 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 it, was like, it was just one of those shows where you're like, sure, I guess. It was just so like, weird i don't know like i I went on the leverage facebook page and they were like selling shirts and i was like who's gonna buy the shirt of like it was just the cat too standing it was just like a white shirt with a cat and then i was like why, why would i want that shirt but all right um, um i really can't tell it looks like a board game <laughs> that's great we gotta oh, wait, we gotta get you we gotta get know, you that game it's a role-playing game though so i'm assuming you just take whatever positions of whatever characters and you kind of D D your way oh. through a scenario what yeah that is, that, oh wait I am, I am remembering this. Yeah, I'm remembering <laughs> seeing it. Oh my God. I used to work at a bookstore in Florida in 2014 to 15. And I remember we sold the game and I remember going, who would buy that? I watched this, <laughs> I watched that. I don't want this. I think, I think it was like when I was watching season two at 17, maybe I would have considered it because like I just collected weird junk. I think that might've been the, the leverage board game or it was another one of those tv shows where i saw a board game of it and went why would i buy it why would i buy this <laughs> it's like invo- you're invoking a memory though for sure yeah i feel like i definitely I, seen- there was that weird era where everyone every show or everything gets a board game from like some weird licensed company but what i like about the board game dynamic is because like you said the show's very formulaic right and as as comedians mm-hmm. you know we know first beat second beat third beat but yeah. I truly think, like, going a step beyond that, they even make sure their characters still follow their same beats in every scenario. Alec and Elliot, they are kind of, you know, Alec is kind of like the geek and the tech guy, where Elliot's the tough, you know, rough black ops guy. But yeah. almost always there's scenes of them showing so much affection for each other and then immediately, like, shitting on each other. Like, <laughs> I'm just so damn cold. I don't care, man. Please set me on fire to something. I'm all shivering and I think one of my nipples fell off. Man, don't sense. tell me stuff like that. Tell him what? You know, that's so true. The dynamics that they would show. Everyone was so good at not just having one dynamic. They would all have their own separate dynamic for sure. Like, they would make it a point to show at least three scenes where... Two of them are in a group together, and then one is doing the thing by themselves. And then the next one, it was kind of, it was kind of like a wand in a way, where like then they would like yeah. rotate partners. That's when you'd have the one moment where one of them would shine, and then the rest would switch partners. And throughout that, you would then end up with scenes where, yeah, you would have Hardiman and Elliot, where Elliot also was like technologically illiterate as like fuck, <laughs> but he was always the person who had to like go on site. And so he would always be carrying the thing that Hardiman needed to hack into a thing. And he would just be like, just plug it in, man. And he'd be like, dude, don't tell me to plug something in. There's like 50 plugs here. He's like, dude, there is one plug. 
there's just 50 of them that look like everything and they have like this and he's like dude i don't i will break this phone on you you know you say tapes i just said tapes cassette tapes you little thing it's not gonna work well, at least you ain't got to type nothing harson how am i supposed to get out of the fbi offices with a box full of surveillance tapes huh punch somebody oh i'm gonna punch somebody another thing these characters were also just good at their job so yeah. you would have moments where you would be like the tense moments of like elliot and hardman arguing with one another you'd be like well they're good at their jobs they're gonna be fine so the tension is a little bit less like cut and they can have this comic relief yeah they, you would see them working together their dynamics together and then by the end of it you would have like a three-person group game where suddenly you would have a detail from an, another episode like Nate and, and Parker hanging out. And then Parker would come in and it's like kind of resolve the situation that the two of them had as a callback. And it's like, she's like, I told you that the last time. It's like, you should have just done that before. Like, you just don't listen to me. Like, you think you're a mastermind better than you. And like, what? And Nate would spend a lot of arguing only to get a callback hit from them from two episodes earlier that solved their thing. But that was only because you just knew how the dynamics worked. It, 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 was, it was very complex, but it was so easy. I just, it was so easy flowing to watch. Like, I, talking about it with you right now, it's, it's making me realize really the technique and how it was just so easy to make that chemistry for all those people to the point where it even it looked lame and it's like oh no this is actually a pretty complex tv show with a lot of moving parts i would much rather a show have better characters and flashy you know let's keep showing you crazy action i was actually watching a show i can't remember the name it was on hulu but like the amount of like exterior shots that they would just show to like cut in between of just like whatever next sequence they needed to get to was that could oh, be like a really good character building moment. Like literally y'all are spending like 45 seconds showing <laughs> San Francisco over and over again. Like, <laughs> I, I want to know what show that is. <laughs> no, <laughs> I agree. I think like a lot of the CW shows, CW like DC shows like Arrow and The Flash suffered from that. You would just have shots of Vancouver for no reason. You'd be like, I don't want to need Vancouver. I need to see The Flash run. <laughs> but those TV shows had also an hour. Right. But to do that type of thing, and you're still doing flash cuts like that. But that's it. This show had 30 minutes, and like every every minute was like, hey, heist movies are supposed to be that flash and dazzle. And yeah. the show really kind of grounded it out. There's a bottle episode where they are just trying to win a poker game, a backroom poker game in a bar. And so they're trying to pull off this heist, but they can't move five feet from each other. I think it comes down to, at the end. Some, one of them was able to change the TV. The TV that everybody's watching was delayed by five minutes, so that's how they were able to cheat. But it all takes place in this one room where they can't move, and they still find a way to do all their things right. Like Parker like, is able to steal cards, or Hardiman is able to do this, the mathematical techniques in his head, so he's still like hacking, or Elliot's just like hitting someone on the knee real hard. Like <laughs> Sophie walks in and out as the waitress, being kind of like looking over their cards. Like They're able to do all the same things, but we already know they're able to do other things, so let's take it down, strip it down, and see what they're able to do in the most groundedness of it all. And it's like, wow, this is even more amazing than all the shit that you've been doing before. I was actually, I remember that that episode is always really impressive to me because I was like, this is just a card game and it really means nothing. I think it's like over someone's house and like <laughs> they have to go fight a dictator in a minute, but we're going to take care of this really fast, you know, and it's cool. That's a good tell of a good show. If their bottle episode, for folks that don't know, bottle episode is pretty much like you're just locked into one area for a whole episode. I think that's a good tell of a good show is that if they can literally knock it out with that, make sure all the characters still like get their dues, get their justice, and like still have a good episode. I think that's a really good tell of the show. 100% agree. One thing I was actually really impressed by was like the general ratings of the show. It almost seemed like on average across the board, only one season was kind of in, but otherwise everything else was hidden. Yeah, season two is amazing. Season two and three are particularly really good. 
season two, they really hit their stride because season one, a lot of it is neat. Like, I'm not going to be an alcoholic. I'm dealing with my son's death. But then season two, he like lightens the fuck up. And yeah. he also is like, I'm just going to drink in between jobs, I guess. They so like, you're an alcoholic, man. And he's like, yeah, it's fine. But then it was, it was like, yeah, you know, it's wrong. It's like, yeah, but it's not going to be the whole plot. It's going to ruin everything. It's, and it was just able to have more fun with itself because it was, yeah, the character knows his plot. Let's move on. Then at that point with two, that's when you start having the introductions of their antithesis characters. And then I think like two ends with, not to spoil it, but like two ends on like a cliffhanger of they need a new grifter for a minute. And it doesn't work. Like it doesn't, and they see how much they really need that grifter back. This other person's actually a way better grifter. It just doesn't gel. Mm-hmm. And the whole lesson of the two episodes is we really miss you, man. Can you come back? And it's like, <laughs> uh, maybe. And then season three, they're trying to fight a dictator of a small island. In between every heist, there's a key element on how to get closer to that guy. And so you're just like, are they going to be able to take down this dictator? This, like, I guess, because it shows leverage and it's only the third season, so sure. But it was, it, yeah, generally it was the show that I think if it really tried to just be its formula, it wouldn't have worked. But it was, again, it's those things in the middle of the formula happening, those moments of dialogue in between where then by the season finale, it's all about those moments that would happen. It'd be always like a two-part season finale. It always, it would be all about those moments kind of coming together. And you didn't think it was anything because it was just a small detail of character development. Turns out, no, this is the big thing, you know, like this is the technique that he used to get out of it. Holy shit. That's, I think, another reason why I really appreciate the hell out of it. Parker was probably my favorite of those five characters for sure. She was the burglar character because she was so much a real heart of the show. There's a lot of heart in that show. Like every character, but she was like specifically very much because she she was a burglar to run away from problems. You know, she had to hide from things, right? She would just disappear. And then they would be like, come on, we got to get our shit together and go ha- find our friend. Like they would abandon a whole job just to find her. Wow. You know, she would just, she would just had abandonment issues. And that's one of those things that like, I really like thought was very great about that character was that she had all the ability to pop in and out and do all these other things. But, it was just kind of a side effect of what she was really trying to do. And I think that's the thing about all those other, uh, well, no, I think that's every other character was just always trying to be a criminal, but she was just always trying to like escape. And then just kind of would steal for shits and giggles, man. I remember watching the show as a kid being like, oh, I liked Parker a lot. And then I think I like thought about it again in 2015. I was like, no, it's still Parker. It's the best character. I just still feel like after 10 years, oh, I still remember vividly the feeling of abandonment that this character had and how much she was always kind of the first to run away, but also was always the first brought back. And I don't know, something about that, it's very hard to see that in a show sometimes. It's like you don't really see something like that sometimes. And again, it would always be in those little moments in between the heist. Yeah. So you only got so much time to explore that. The due diligence, I mean, I really wanted to shout out that character in particular. One thing that's really clear about her is that because she had such an, an odd upbringing, she's an awkward character, so they really make sure, like... <laughs> That plays through, like, there's moments where she's just screaming, like, for no reason. He's got a violent temper and he likes to party. I'm talking bar fights, DUIs, you name it. All right, so when he's partying gets him into hot water, who does he call? Ghostbusters! Well, again? Parker? He calls Daniel Firestone. Doesn't that necessarily show compassion, but doesn't understand what's going on, like... They were concerned for her sometimes. They'll be like, <laughs> does she have any emotion? <laughs> like, you know, like, they're like, that. She can't pay attention to anything. Oh, yeah, to that point. I remember this one episode where Dave just goes to the whole plan, the whole plan, the whole plan. And then they go, okay, got it, got it, got it, Parker. And he's like, Parker's like, oh, what? Yeah, what? No, 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 no. And then they go through the whole thing again. But then the episode is, as they're going to the heist, it's them, him then explaining to her very frustratingly 
what the plan was to begin with. So like when you get to the real reveal at the end what the plan was, it's like for the first time it kind of breaks and it's like, okay, Parker, one more time. So it breaks the heist motif of like, dom, 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 to like just a frustrated dude with a chalkboard. And he's like, first I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do this, and it's going to be this, it's going to be this. And then it cuts back to the end of the, the, end of the scene and the guy's like, oh my God, you guys took me over. And Nate's still like a little frustrated. <laughs> because like, yeah, it's just funny, like that character, like, just brought it out of him to like to the point where it was so awkward that it came down to like oh we're gonna make an awkward reveal because you need to pay where this reveal is gonna be awkward and on a chalkboard because you need are you gonna get this yet and just that character can be played with so well right he was able to break a motif in a way we should shout out the actress i, I don't know her name beth reese grace got it beth yeah race grace oh get out of here she's married him jason lee oh whoa yeah whoa Oh, learn something new every day. He's still around. Yeah. He's still doing things. Yeah, you should know my, my Name is Earl episode. My favorite, really quick, this is a big side note, but my favorite My Name is Earl joke, it had me dying. It's because that show yeah. was on as a kid. was when he was yeah. in prison and he gets shanked. And then he goes to the nurse and literally all they do is put a Band-Aid over the wound. It's like, all right, you're good to go. That show is very critical of the prison industrial complex for sure. And they, like, yeah. they like called that shit out really hard, like the criminal justice system, while also being like, I don't really know what to talk about, though, because I'm just girl. <laughs> it's a very smart show for what I thought yeah. it was when I first saw it. That's, that's a good point about Leverage is that the show is very much eat the rich energy. You know, they, they very much are trying to go and oh, only yeah. rob people who have wronged good people. And, like, there's literally episodes, this couple's crying because this person stole so much money from them, and they go to try and rob the money back for that person. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, that's, you know, it's so fun. We didn't talk about any of that type of stuff. I mean, it's just so much of the stuff. Yeah, they are very much eat the rich because in the first episode, they all become millionaires. So they're like, all right, well, what else do we want to do? And they're like, well, I we guess we could go help good people. And they're like, sure. Where are they like, going to pay us? And it's like, no, because we're, we're rich. No, don't worry. <laughs> like, they solve that whole plot point. Like, people are struggling, but they don't actually, like, need the money. And so they're just doing it because they're kind of bored. They want to keep using their skills. I think they also, like, they know that they like each other. So, like, they got the big part out of the way of how are these people pay for anything. All right, these people able to do it. Now they got the big thing out of the way. They got all the details out of the way. Now they can go help people. Smart move. First episode, got rid of a big pop point. Fantastic. <laughs> let's go and let's go and be good guys now. The big baddie in the show is also the healthcare industry, like a hundred percent. Because Nate's son dies of like because he wasn't able to get the medicine that he needed properly. And so in the first episode is him going after the healthcare insurance company that like screwed him over. And that, that's a big theme throughout the show is the healthcare industry in this place is terrible. And I was, I think like watching that show, oh, I don't get this yet. <laughs> and I think looking back and I'm like, oh shit, that was pretty radical, man. If anything, this modern era we live in of the rich people <laughs> adds to the show's context, if anything. Well, the rich people are always people who are like, we deserve to be rich. They weren't mm -hmm. like criminal masterminds. They were like Wall Street brokers and people who just in the realm of the parameters of what is legal and and fair you know and like oh but they could lawyer up but they needed something so they're like all right well fine we're gonna go take that guy down but also you know it wasn't like a mafioso crime boss he's a guy it's a guy who's literally attacking us like people every day you know yep. bankers yeah i love that show man you're making me remember how much i love this show that's what it's all about, baby. This is what the show's about. You know, this for me, not to hear about the show really means it is an Uncommon Gems, especially because it was on air during a time where I was watching a lot of TV. But that's the beauty of what I think the show does is that you know more about this show than I do, so why not let you have the stage to talk about it? <laughs>
Eddie, do you have any last words about Leverage the TV Show for the people? Oh, man. I mean, it's for the people. <laughs> it is. Leverage is for the people. I, I just want to say it's nice to see all the hot sketches do. That's it. They really do, like, think about that show and be like, man, he was great in that show. And it's just nice to see, like, an actor come up in a way. I believe all those actors. I mean, Timothy Hutton, is, he's been around. But what I mean is everybody else. Remember, after watching Todd, be like, I hope there are more stuff. Like, I hope mm-hmm. these people are in more stuff. And I think that's like a thing you hope for every TV show that you watch with like a like a cast that you like. You're like, I hope these people do get more stuff in this. And I hope that I like kind of knew the inside joke beforehand. Like, oh, I like I like this person before they were cool. You know, like whatever. It's one of those shows that I watched and I was like, wow, Aldous Hodge. Wow, damn. I put investment in leverage and it came out with a thing with Aldous Hodge. It feels good to like see that, you know, like see them succeed. Like, I really like that cast a lot. Yeah. Like, I like them as people, and they really show in the show. So I guess the only on that is, yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's, it's a fun crew, and it's definitely a lot of fun if you check it out. I know I'm going to check it out for sure. Please, please do. Let me know what you think. Uh, what better time during this pandemic where most of us are still kind of inside to just kind of binge a fun heist show? <laughs> Honestly, I might put it on myself. I might put it on. I might do it. <laughs> I might go to the whole show. Why not? It's 77 episodes. Right. But it's only 30 minutes each. So that's so breezy. That's, that's breezy. That's light work these days. Breezy. Well, folks, check out Leverage's TV show. And as, of course, as always, definitely check out Glitz. Go to glitzinc.org. That is G-L-I-T-S-I-N-C.org. Please, you know, take some time. I know for a lot of people it can be not as accessible to learn about transgender people's struggles and their stories. But take the time. Check out the service because you're going to see right away just how many people this is affecting and just how many people they're trying to reach out to. One thing I want to add just at the end here is that they bought a unit, a 12-unit residential building in Queens for people to kind of look for housing. They can go there and they can support themselves there. So I think that's a real important effort that this service is doing. So definitely check it out, folks. All right, Eddie, do you have any last words for the people before we go? I appreciate the people. Also, I, I like this podcast idea, man. I think it's really cool because it really made me rack my brain of something that I didn't realize that I had so much love for until literally having these conversations. And I just appreciate you for giving us the opportunity to be able to like kind of discover a thing that's made us comfortable at a time. Maybe we didn't realize, I don't know. But what I mean is it was a, it was a bit of an assignment to think of what I was going to pick. <laughs> I was very nervous to talk about this show in a sense. I was like, maybe this won't be very interesting. And I'm personally walking out of it inspired to watch a show that I <laughs> brought up <laughs> and with a different lens. So I just really appreciate you, man. And I really appreciate this idea. You're hey. doing great. And I, and I just want to say that, man, seriously. High praise, much love, much love. Thank you so much. And you know, as we always say to everyone who comes on Common Gems, you're always welcome back. If you got more gems, we'll definitely have you on back for another episode. Fantastic. You let me know. Folks, well. Eddie, you got to check out Eddie Dogru. Please check him out on Twitter, Dogru, and as well as Instagram. That's D-I-D-G-E-R-I-D-O-U-G-R-O-U. <laughs> One shot. It's a lot. It's a lot, And Once Improv Theater is back, we'll set, definitely be looking forward to 96 Bull shows. But definitely check them out as well as Pagliacci yeah. Comedy. They got some funny sketches going on, as always. Folks, we'll be back again next week. Another episode Friday, another Uncommon Gem Friday. Hope you all take care, all right? Peace out. Peace <laughs> out.